you want to ditch feature dumping, build trust and earn the opportunity to become your prospect's trusted guide, then say hello to the Influential Communicator newsletter. Now, listen, my friend, my intention is clear because with one actionable weekly email keyword actionable my goal is to transform you into a captivating storyteller communicator and presenter so if this is a bit of you then head on down to www.theinfluentialcommunicator.com to register now and by the way if you do sign up know that you'll also receive my free guide on how to craft a punchy and high converting elevator story i'll see you on the other side Welcome to the Influential Communicator Podcast, where my mission is to help B2B salespeople sell more by becoming authentic storytellers and impactful communicators without suppressing who they truly are or their values. I'm your host, Ravi Rajani, and without further wait, let's get into it. October 2009. That's when Bethany Bukema began her role as a gymnastics coach for Flipside Gymnastics. Fast forward to September 2012, and that's when Bethany began her first ever role in sales. And today in May 2023, Bethany has been in the sales game for over a decade and has moved from being an individual contributor and sales leader to the dark side, people. She's gone to the dark side, and I'm talking about sales enablement over at Mintel. But more importantly, she's a mother, wife, and fitness enthusiast. And today, I wanted her to come onto the show specifically to teach us her three Ps for rapid confidence and communication excellence, and more specifically, as a new seller. What's good, my friend? Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you much. Hey, you found some stuff out me about me out there. Huh? I did. I did. I was saying to Bethany in the green room, I was like, she's got serial killer vibes. She was, you know, she was hard. She was hard to find some good info on, you know, I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, I like to keep it close to the best. No, I'm just not at all. Yeah. But, you know, I'm more of a one-on-one. Uh, well, there we go. I've got you now. I've got you now. So what I'm curious to know then is when it comes to your story, what context do I and the audience need to know to get a better understanding of who Bethany is today? Good question. Yeah, you you mentioned it. I spent over a decade in sales. So if we're talking from a from a professional standpoint, did it for a long time myself. But I laugh because if you would have asked me before I started my career, I would have told you I will never be in sales. That's not what I'm going to do. I come from a family of sellers. My dad has his own business, a used car dealership. So like talk about the epitome of what everyone makes fun of in sales. Like don't be the used car dealership, right? But my mom started her own her own nonprofit and so it has like fundraising and and selling is it's it's in the blood, right? And so I would have told you, nope, I'm never going there. I'm not doing it. Ended up in it found a love for it. And then now loving where I'm at, turning it into enablement because I've really always loved helping my teammates and my team members and, and people I'm leading to reach their best, right? So, so how can I do that on a larger scale? So it's, uh, it's been a fun thing. But yeah, no, I never thought I'd be here. <laughs> well, it's funny. When I first connected with you, and I don't know when that was, maybe about a year ago, I got a sense for the fact that you 
are a lover of coaching, training, and helping others improve and really unlock their potential. And then when I found out that you were a gymnastics coach back in the day, I was like, ah, okay, this is starting to make sense. I get it. I get it. I get it. And I suppose this transitions beautifully into confidence because you started sales over a decade ago, we said in September 2012, but you actually started in recruitment, right? You didn't start in the SaaS world or which is what we see all over LinkedIn when it comes to different stories. Everybody wants to break into SaaS, but there's so many different routes to break into sales. And that's what you did. And I can almost bet like everybody who started in sales at the start, maybe you felt a lack of confidence, or maybe you felt, ah, oh, I struggle to be comfortable in my own skin. I know how difficult that is. I know how many people listening to the show might be struggling with that. So I'm curious to know, how do you today define confidence? Yeah, you're so right. Started and I did IT recruiting too. No background yeah. in IT. So I had no idea what I was talking about. Yeah, that confidence piece is is so hard. But when it comes to unlocking it, I find that like just bringing yourself is really what what gets you there. Take in all the knowledge you can, but then be you. Like you're not in sales. You don't get into it if you don't like talking to people and having conversations, right? You don't usually find those people who are like, please don't talk to me getting into to a sales role. So you genuinely like to talk to people, like use that, use that confidence, use that aspect to, to get yourself in there and, and learn as you go and rely on other people too, as, as you're figuring it out. But uh, yeah, I, I find that if you can just remember why you're there, remember why you like connecting with people, that's going to set you up from the start. Isn't it funny how when it comes to confidence, just because somebody's confident in one arena of their life, it doesn't mean that that translates everywhere. So I'll give an example. I've recently hired a boxing coach and I'm back to being a student, right? And there's like nine-year-olds are hitting the pads better than me. And oh my God, I am so sheepish compared to how I am, for example, on stage. So such a different version of Rav. So why do you think (laughs) when it comes to sellers who are starting in their first role in sales, why do they struggle to exhibit their true self and that natural confidence that often is there in other parts of their life? I think it's that feeling that you have to know more than you know, mm. right? Like anytime I've started a new role, I, I'm like that that anxiousness creeps in, right? Because you're like, oh, I just I, I want to know more than I know. I want to be further along than I know than I am. And you get on the phone and you're like, they're going to ask me all these questions that I don't know the answer to, right? You're, you're starting to talk to them. And it, that's really scary. And you're like, how do I deal with this? Like you anticipate all these things that haven't even happened yet. And you want to know more than you already know. So if you can take it back into those basics of, of starting off that conversation and, and who you are, I think it will. That's when you can start to then figure out all those things that you don't know. Because the people who have the most confidence, I mean, we've got people at Mintel who've been around for 20 plus years and and they, they've figured so many things out and are so confident in how they ask things, what they know about our tools and everything. A lot of that comes with experience. You've got to take some time to get there. But in the beginning, like, be confident in what you do know and who you are and those skills that you do have. And that can help to get you through until you get some more of that, that industry knowledge that, that takes some time to build, right? I think about like when I when I became a mom over four years ago, like I didn't know anything. That's like talk about the ultimate lack of confidence. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You're sending me home with this tiny infant who is now my responsibility. And it's 
you got to just go on instinct. And so if you can bring some of that instinct into other areas of your life, I mean, hey, my four-year-old is still alive. My not one-year-old is still alive. We're doing okay. So I figured something out. But a lot of it is instinctual too. So yeah. Look at you now, huh? Now you got two. Now you have two. Yeah, now (laughs) now you have two. And I think this... This leads beautifully into your three Ps, right? Your three Ps. And you touched upon the first P just now, but I don't want to give people a spoiler to what you're about to give everybody. Now, when it comes to confidence, as you mentioned, it's also about competence and having a good understanding about your product suite and also the areas where you may have a lack of knowledge and owning it. But when it comes to product-based knowledge, which is your first P for gaining rapid confidence and really communicating like a pro, why does it start with product instead of persona or questions or discovery? I don't know. Why why does it start with product in your eyes? I think product is one of them, right? I don't know that I'd necessarily say it has to start there, but I think that helps. That's the easiest route in, right? Is to figure out what does this company do? What am I selling here? And you've got to have that understanding to help to match up the need with the buy, right? So product is super important. And I think that it traditionally gives you the most confidence to like feel like I know what we've got here. I know what we're offering. I think that's where a lot of companies start. And that's where our new hires always want to jump right in, right? And and learn product. And, and I think that that's, that's important, right? I don't want to downplay that. But I'd actually, I'd flip it a little bit. And I think that persona actually should come first. And we do that in our onboarding. We actually start with who's Mintel? What do we do? And then who do we work with and get into that sales process? And then they go learn those products. Because I think if you can figure out who that so that that second P, right? That that persona aspect. If you know better who's on the other side of that call, you can have more of a an interesting conversation with them and start to get into why do they care? Not why does their whole company care? Why do they care? And then once you know who that person is, so P3 is your personalized questions, right? You can start to ask good questions. You can start to really think about it, ask some in-depth questions and and get into some of that meat there. And then you get to become that expert again and bring in your product knowledge to match up what you figured out about them. Mm, Okay. So the movie trailer Bethany's just given is product knowledge, persona-based training, and personalized questions are her three Ps. Not in any specific order, but if she had to choose one, it would begin with persona, right? It's the first step. So let's start there for a second. So persona-based training. Could you tell me about a time when you shared, for example, the right story with the wrong client? Or have you ever faced that scenario because maybe you didn't understand your personas well enough? Because I know I've got a ton of those. Yeah, yeah. So trying to think of a specific time, but in general, I'd say that like, actually with all of my roles, I've come in not knowing anything about what it is that we actually do. I've right. jumped around from industries I've always sold, but I've jumped around in industries. And so matching that that up with the persona is so hallmark, right? Like you have to do that. You have to understand what's going on there. I think that I had this picture of of Mintel that like we sold to all these people who just know exactly what research is and that's that's why they care about it. But when you're talking to somebody from like marketing, they're using it in a very different way. So I'd come on and like 
talk through all of this in-depth research we do and how cool it is that you can dive into all these different pieces and aspects of products and, and get really nitty gritty. And at the end of the day, they're more like, okay, well, what does, what does the consumer actually care about? Because I got to reach them. That's what's got to matter here. So how, how can you tell me what they care about? They, so we, our tools here, Vitello, like really, some of them can be really in-depth. And you fall into that because it's like, this is really cool. And this is exciting. Let me tell them all about it. And they're like, wow, we are in the weeds. And that actually didn't answer my question at all. Or that really doesn't matter to what I'm doing. <laughs> so yeah, definitely done that a lot of times. But <laughs> That's super interesting about the marketing piece. And hey, we care about the end consumer. Hit us with the goodness about what you have to support us with that. So inside of the training that you deliver internally for new reps, how do you teach them to communicate differently with different types of decision makers? So for example, if I'm brand new and I need to sell into marketing as well as finance, for example, how would you teach me to communicate the value prop and the message to both of those different personas? Yeah, it's about understanding what they care about. So what matters to them? What's their job? Like, do you even know what they do? What's their their day-to-day? And that's where that, that personalized questioning piece really comes in because every role is a little bit different. Like marketing at company A to company B can look wildly different. I think about it like if you bring it into sales, for example, like account management at Mintel is one thing. They are responsible for partnering with the client, working to, to upgrade and an upsell and things like that. My husband's company account managers are the ones who are actually more like the CSM role, right? Where they're like helping them to understand the tools and like do the back end and, and all that piece. So every company calls things different. Like titles are very confusing now. So you got to know kind of that, that umbrella of like, what in general, what the heck does marketing do? Like what's their core responsibility? What actually matters to them? And what are they, what's their goal? Like what is their end goal in their role? And then that's where you can start to craft your pitch into then now, okay, how does the, what we do matter to them? How does that start to translate into that, that world? But once I ask some more specific questions about like, what are you actually facing? Because I don't want to just like shove this in front of you of, yeah, this makes a ton of sense for you, right? Because you're in marketing and we work with marketers. Well, no, like what are they actually facing? And is, is what you're selling actually a problem for them? So yeah, it's about understanding what do they do? What's their end goal? And can we help them to get to that? that goal, help them find more success. Because at the end of the day, that's what everyone's trying to do, right? Mm, No doubt. And I love what you said there about finding out what they want and basically giving it to them. You know, influence 101, as they say, right? Find out what somebody wants and give it to them, which I suppose bleeds beautifully into the second P, which is around personalized questions. And now I know you are big on impactful questions and asking people things in a way that maybe they haven't been asked before, but also in a pattern interrupting way. Because I know from our first chat about the different topics we were going to deliver for the show, you're like, I'm big on questions, Rav. Let's go for questions. So tell me a little bit about, actually, actually, no, no, what I'm curious about, who's the be- who's somebody you know in your inner circle, friendship group, or colleague who's just incredible at asking great questions? Let's call them out. Ooh. A great questioner. Questioner. Hmm. Hmm. Actually, I think my president, Ben, is a really great questioner. Yeah. Because he's also, he asks good questions. He asks smart questions. But he also gives you that space to answer. And I think that's that's such an important piece too, right? It's genuine. Like, I want to know what's going on here. But then 
I'm just going to leave it there and you answer. And I end up being the one who just like talks and talks and talks, right? <laughs> when I'm answering his questions. But I, it, that's huge. If you can ask a good question and then leave that space, you're going to get way more than you bargained for, which is asking that one question. So I think he's awesome at it. He does a, a good job of that. Bethany, I think we're... It, it, it's cheap. Yeah, I bet. And I suppose, Bethany, we're at that level now where you can tell me the truth. Did you have to say that? Is there, I don't know, are you, are you just saying, no. I'm messing. Oh my gosh, I'm no. <laughs> no. No, but I say it because every time he asks me a question, I'm like, I'm like, I know that that's just going to be it. He's not going to like tell me, like, it's more, he's just going to ask the question. And I'm like, I got, okay, I got to, I got to come up with something good here. Like, yeah. <laughs> I got to answer this well. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. And what, what, no, it challenges you. You think more critically. <laughs> Exactly. When a question stops you in your tracks, it does make you think, wow, I better be intentional with my response here. So have you ever asked him his go-to process for asking such questions? Or what do you think he does differently that others don't? I haven't, but I think I know the topic of our next training. (laughs) It's a good question. I don't know. I think it's that silence he gives, but I don't know exactly his, if that's if he knows he's doing that tactic or if that's just something he does. Sales kickoff season is coming, people, and I love it, man. I love it because it's such an exciting time as a speaker. But for enablement professionals and revenue leaders, well, it can be kind of stressful, you know, and having delivered storytelling keynotes and workshops for revenue teams like NetSuite, Crunchbase, and AB Tasty. I know it's not just about motivation and inspiration, but also about finding the right speaker who can educate your audience and spark a long-lasting shift in behavior. So, hey, if you are thinking about storytelling as a theme for kicking off your new fiscal year, then head on down to www.theraviregiani.com forward slash speaking to check out my speaker reel. Take a look at some of my topics and some customer stories to see if there's a fit. And if there is, then you can scroll down to the bottom and book an alignment call with me directly. All right, let's get back to the show. Mm, I bet it's intentional. I don't know about you, but here's what I think, Bethany. I think somebody who has done a lot of inner work on themselves and has a level of comfort in their skin that others don't, you can see that they are truly comfortable with silence a lot of the time. That's what I've seen personally in the correlation. And it's incredible to see when somebody gives you space. And I think that's a lost art in today's world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We all just, we are afraid of silence. We're afraid of talking on the phone, let alone silence, right? Like (laughs) the new generation is like, no, we don't talk on the phone. No, thank you. But yeah, silence is, it's huge. And it's not, it's not used as much as it, uh, it could be because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. If you, you were looking back at my work history. You saw probably saw that I worked at um, the Second City for a while, which is improv comedy theater here in Chicago. But I worked on the business side, and that was one of the really big things: is like get comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you apply that to sales, like that is huge. Like just sit in that discomfort for a little bit, and you can get a lot more than you even worked for <laughs> from that other person. The nervous system really has to get used to being in that weirdness of, oh, this feels so uncomfortable. But yeah, that's that's incredible that you learned that from observing improv. And for a new seller then, who is no longer 
well, I suppose it's finished onboarding. Now they are in the trenches, lack, you know, poor word choice, but they're, they're out there. They're in the field, okay? How do they feel comfortable with silence when anxiety is high and the fight or flight response has been triggered? What do they do? I think it's a practice, right? I think you just have to take a breath. Actually, one of our one of our reps told me this. He takes a sip of water, like to to remind himself. So he asks the question and then takes a drink of water. So that he has to wait. Like you gotta take that sip, you gotta swallow. I was like, that's brilliant. Like so anything that you can do that's gonna force you to do it, or something that I always did was we we have gong. And so like it gives you your patience score and I'm competitive. So I'd be like, okay, how low can I get that? Where can we <laughs> Where can we get to on that silence? <laughs> <laughs> so, people after you reckon prospects were like, "Wow, Bethany's really weird. She's a bit slow. Was the was the Wi-Fi connection off?" Or <laughs> right? <laughs> no, yeah, I never actually got it that low because I wasn't that good at it. But <laughs> I would try. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Okay, I really like that the <laughs> sipping of the water. So, from what I'm hearing, it sounds as though it's the idea of engaging in an activity which forces the pause and really allows for that silence. So you're distracting the monkey brain from that specific moment. Okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. So when it comes to the product-based knowledge piece, so we've hit upon the questions there and the training, the product-based knowledge piece, you know, how much does somebody need to know before they're out in the field and how much can they really learn in theory. Is it one of those things that you need to take imperfect action and get bruised out there in the field, in the trenches and start walking with a limp? And that's, what's going to help you or like, what, what, what are we talking about here, Bethany? Hit me up with the truth. <laughs> walking with limp. Yeah. We're just beating our salespeople. Oh, I'm yeah. out there. We're like, go, like get hurt. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think there's some of that though. Right. Like that's why I think the the personas and the questioning piece is so important. And I fully advise like make that a separate meeting because you can take product knowledge and you can pull in some help. You can like, you can take other people from your team to help you if you're new and you don't know, like you can bring them on, but like, you got to be the one to start that relationship, make that first impression, know about them, ask them some really good questions. And then with the product knowledge, that can come with time because we know that so many of like so many of our SaaS products out there or any product that we're we're selling, a lot of nuance to it. So you learn from experience. They ask you a question, you maybe don't know the answer. Okay, you know, let me get that answer for you and I'll come back to you. Like that's a totally okay response. You can't do that like for everything. You have to know some stuff. <laughs> but but you some base knowledge and and then get out there. And if you don't feel confident in that product side, like Pull in front someone from your product team. Pull in another one of your peers. Pull in your manager. That's okay. We can tag team this to to help with that that product knowledge and then get that experience as we go. But if you think that you have to know all of those details about every little thing that your product can do, you're going to end up showing them stuff that they don't care about, or you're going to be anticipating questions that they're probably not even going to ask. Like I have to know all these tiny little details. Like you don't. You really when you're demoing and when you're selling. The amount of your demo that's going to stick and they're going to remember is pretty small. So you got to drive that impact. Like it's not about showing them all the cool, fun, crazy features. It's about how to solve their problem and what's that impact going to be. I like that. And it reminds me of a really interesting quote 
or rather story, let's, let's call it that, that I had when I first started in sales, Bethany. I remember a mentor of mine had a sticky note on his desk and I walk into work on the trading floor one morning and he wasn't there yet. And I was like, what does that say on his screen? And it said, teach them something they didn't know before they met you. And when it was me trying to get in contact with C-suite, right? The C-suite, these really big companies, when anxiety would occur or when that imposter syndrome would kick in, it'd be like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Teach them something they didn't know before they connected with you, those blind spots. And what's interesting is when you are open about, look, this isn't in my wheelhouse, it's not my thing, but I'm going to get you an answer and find you the person whose thing it is. It breeds such confidence versus trying to lie and wriggle your way out of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. You're going to get caught in it eventually. They're going to figure out yeah. if they do become a customer, they're going to find out you lied about it. And that's no fun either. But yeah, yeah. Teach them something, something they didn't know. Or um, I like to call it the, like the wow factor. Like what that thing that's going to wow them based on everything you learn, what are they going to remember? And you got to know that much about your product wow them with something that's going to help them, that's going to change things for them, that's how you get a buyer. And it sounds though, from what I'm hearing, the product-based knowledge, the understanding of the personas and the personalized and hyper-focused questions, and also the distance to let somebody breathe and respond, all of this combined increases one's competence. And when we have high levels of competence, it creates a knock-on effect on confidence. So from your experience, when you look at the ramp up period of different reps over at Mintel, at what point do you feel like people come into their own and start getting more comfortable in their own skin? Yeah, I think in that first, like just after they get out of onboarding, once they hit that six month ish period, they feel like, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this, doing okay. And then I think you realize once you hit about a year that you're like, oh, there was a lot I didn't know, but I think I know some stuff now. I think in any sales role, that's pretty true though. That first year is a lot of learning and you you kind of hit some highs and lows where you think like, oh yeah, I think I know a lot. I'm doing pretty good. And then you realize you actually didn't know as much as you thought and you got to kind of go through it. So post that first year, I think once you're hitting like year two is when we see people start to hit that stride of like, okay, I got this. I know the players. I know the people bring in. I got... I've got some some stuff going on here and I can match up our product with with what what it's actually solving. I think that's that's been I mean, I, I've worked in a few different companies and I think that's been pretty true everywhere. That first year is like at that six, nine month mark, you're like, I think I'm pretty good. And a little over a year, you're like, ooh, I actually didn't know a lot. So now we're doing better. <laughs> okay. So let's let's play let's play a scenario. Okay. Ravi enters Mintel. Six to nine months close to a year. He's like, I'm the man. I know everything about everything. How do you get this version of Ravi to realize they don't know everything and actually their confidence might be false because it's just based on their first year, right? Like they've got so much more to learn. How do you communicate with somebody with that level of hubris, right? Or hubris, I'm not sure if I'm saying it correctly, who needs to go to the next level, but has got comfortable with where they're at and they think they know it all. What do you do, Bethany? What would you do with that version of Rev? Yeah, I think year two tends to kick people, salespeople on their butts a little bit <laughs> because they get that confidence, right? And they forget all the basics. They stop. 
prepping for their meetings as well. They're not doing as much outbound. They like a lot of those basics go by the wayside because they're like, I got this. I know what I'm talking about now. I feel real good. So unfortunately, it kind of naturally happens. But if we can, if we can really help them through that and, and keep keep track on that, remind them like those basics matter, don't get beyond it so that they don't have to learn it the hard way. That's where it comes in. But I think reminding them of like, keep those basics in there. Don't forget to stop preparing for your meetings. Don't forget to learn about that other person on the side of the call, other side of the call. Cause then they just start like spouting off like, Oh, I know all this stuff about this. No. Yeah. I experienced that. It's like, well, give it some time. You'll get there. (laughs) But yeah, I think a reminder of the basics is what, what really helps to kind of push them through and like, Hey, let's let's go. Let's go back to like where you at on on some of these core numbers. Like, are we are we still hitting there? Because otherwise, like in a few months, you're gonna see that dip, and that's not gonna be a fun one to pull your way out of. Mm, it's so important to always have a student's mindset, and I suppose go back to being a white belt now and again, right? Even if you think you're ah, a black yes. belt, right? Yeah, important, yeah. important. But ladies and gents, Bethany Bukema, my friend, what I'm curious to know about you is before we round up here actually is tell me about something that you're focused on right now in your own life personal or professional where you don't feel that confidence and now you are having to start from fresh and you're coming up the curve again and you're secretly following your own version of the three p's for exactly that what are you working through let's go back personal with my son my oldest is now a little over four, man, I do not know what I'm doing. Like I figured out the baby stage, like we made our way through, kept him alive, but he is like, he's got his own personality now. Right. And so like, I have to actually listen to him and, and hear like, what does he care about? What matters to him? What's he still learning? And that's, that's hard. That's real tough. Like when he's in the thick of it and he's like snatching toys from his brother or whatever it is. But yeah, I am relearning for sure. Uh, and then trying to go back to the basics of like, have that patience, take a moment to listen, figure out who he is, who is he becoming? What does he care about? And how can we, how can we figure out how to, how to go forward together? But yeah, not always easy. Four-year-olds are a blast. He's absolutely hilarious, but yeah, we're learning together for sure. <laughs> I can't imagine you angry. You're so smiley. I can't imagine. Have I got to speak to your husband? That face was like, you better talk to my husband. <laughs> Is it a different? Would he tell me a completely different story? You know, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, we all have our moments, right? We, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's, that's a way of saying, yeah, Rav, if, if he puts a foot wrong, yeah, I'll tell him, I'll tell him. So it's funny. What was interesting about your son was, He's stepping into a new persona. you got to understand that. He's now operating differently. So you need to hit him with some personalized questions and give him space to really understand what he needs. And then you need to get your product-based knowledge up to scratch because you need to solve his problems on a day-to-day basis. So there we go. The three Ps in business and in life, people in business and in life. So Bethany, the show is called The Influential Communicator, as you know. So... The question is, besides Ben, who do you look up to as an influential communicator today? I'll go back to, to my, my days at Second City. There was a man there named Kelly Leonard, um, who's been at the Second City for years and years. He wrote a book on it, applied it to business. He was really, really integral in seeing like, how does improv get into business and what does this matter for? And I just always appreciated he was such an intentional person 
really, you could tell that he cared about you, wanted to know about you. But also he operated from a place of like, share and show vulnerability and you'll get it back. And I I really took that to heart. It's a way that like I try to operate in sales and now in in enablement. Like if I can share a little bit, I'm going to get more back. If I can meet them where they're at and listen to them, you you can create a better relationship that's going to help you all go farther together. Um, so yeah, I think he's awesome. I, I haven't talked to him in, in a bit, but I still still follow him around on LinkedIn and his podcast and everything. So love love seeing what he's up to. And he's he's got an awesome way of pulling out some some cool stuff from people and and helping you to to get further with uh, with how you're trying to get somewhere. Well, I love that piece about reciprocity, that when you give vulnerability, there's a high likelihood that you're going to receive it in return. And if you don't, hey, that's cool. But if you do, it's so often great to lead with that, to create that safety. So I love that. That's really dope. Now, ladies and gents, you're probably thinking, where can I go to get more of Bethany's awesomeness? She's she's a myth on the internet. So, and I'm, by the way, you know what, you know what I'm actually about to do as we go into the green room, Bethany, you and I are talking about how, I don't know what it is, but you need your own podcast. You need, (laughs) you need to be on LinkedIn. Like we're actually the next 15 minutes, we're going to, I'm going to push you to do it from pure peer pressure. (laughs) I'm going to hit you with pure peer pressure, but where can people go to learn more about you and Mintel? Mintel, you can head over to Mintel.com. Go check it out. We've got a whole new website with a ton of awesome info out there for everyone. Me, you're going to have to come one-on-one. Hit me up on LinkedIn. Absolutely. (laughs) Shoot me a note. Like, I will reply. I promise. I am not, you know, this this mythical being by any means. I just... uh, She is. Yeah, I haven't, haven't, haven't... Cross that bridge to to get get myself no. out there more. So yeah, I guess Robbie, you're gonna have to make me. Otherwise, uh, not having it. Best, so. <laughs> I'm not even giving not you allowed. space to let you finish. You know, like I'm not even like I know we spoke about giving people space. I'm not even gonna allow you to do that because we're gonna get rid of those serial killer vibes. Yeah, exactly. Negative. Give me negative. I don't care. It needs it because you, my friend. You're just, you're charismatic and you got gifted a gab. Let's, let's get you out there, my friend. Get you out there. Listen, ladies and gents, if you enjoyed today's episode, you know what to do. Hit us with a review. Tell us what you enjoyed about the show the most. And I'll see you next week, same time, same place on The Influential Communicator. Peace. I have a question for you, my friend. And that question is, is what would it take to have you subscribe to the Influential Communicator podcast and leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Because I tell you what, my friend, my big mission is to help B2B sellers and all listeners of this show sell more by becoming influential storytellers and communicators without without suppressing their personality and disowning their value. So hey, The more the word gets out about this podcast, the more people we can gather on this mission. So if you could support me, then hey, that would be dope. And if not, that's dope too. Either way, I got love for you. All right, I'll see you on the other side.